Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni. Joining me is Shay Dixon. Shay, um, over under how many uh, Cheez-Its did you eat in your time in Orlando? Okay, not none. I ate zero Cheez-Its. I, uh, I don't know if I'm a massive Cheez-It fan. I'll, I mean, it's fine, but we have so m- they gave away so many packs. Uh, and I will confirm this is we flew back last night. This is the day after the game. Emily has already eaten two bags of Cheez-Its this morning. They're little bags uh, that I showed on the last podcast. But they're a che- are you a Cheez-It fan? There are Cheez-It fans out there. I guess I'm not one of them. No, I'm not a big Cheez-It person. I can do like Cheetos. Uh, what else? I is love cheesy? Cheetos. Yeah, I like Cheetos. Cheetos. I guess I just wasn't in the mood for it. Cheese it was everywhere this weekend, so maybe it was overload. Did you see Brian Kelly uh, eat his cheese? It's off the ground. I did. I did. I actually clipped it. Um, I, I but I didn't. I was, didn't have time to tweet it because I was working on that story, uh, the instant takeaways. But yeah, I saw him eat off the ground. I mean, I don't think it's that unsanitary. Personally, they I were piled so high too. It just grabbed the top. It wasn't exactly. like in its turf. It's not like it was grass. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, cheese its bowl was a lot of fun. I mean, 63 to seven win for LSU against Purdue. Uh, I, I mean, a gutted Purdue team, but also an LSU team without, you know, a few stars on the defensive line, a few players here and there. Um, where do you want to start? I guess my biggest question is like, how much can we really take away from this game? And um, besides the fact that it was just really fun to watch, I guess. I think the takeaway a good amount if you're LSU. I mean, and look, this is LSU feels has been in Purdue spot before. It was a year ago when they played Kansas State and Kansas State was essentially at full strength and LSU was playing a wide receiver at quarterback. I mean, that's what Purdue was playing a starting quarterback that had started one game this year. And then the last time he had started a college game was in 2019. So and then they went to the backup for the second half. So uh, LSU's been there before. Now, I think you can make it a lot more about LSU than how impressive beating Purdue was. I mean, the reality was LSU looked efficient. And we got to see a lot of pieces that are going to be back next year. We'll talk about it on the pod. But both quarterbacks, we got to see Malik Neighbors really shine. Um, defensively, you got to see guys like Savion Jones and Greg Brooks, who's such an important piece to come back. Uh, had a really great game. We got to see Jacoby and Guillory and Fitzgerald West on the interior, uh, the defensive tackle spot, uh, hashtag drink, as everybody would say on our board. Um, but a lot of, I just thought there were a lot of different pieces. Harold Perkins played great uh, that you know are coming back. You got a chance to see them. And more than anything, for me, Matty B, I think it's 10 wins. I mean, look, the, we talked so much going through the loss to AM which would have put them, had they won, in a New Year's Six Bowl. They lost to AM. They lost to Georgia. That was no surprise. You win the West. You go to the SEC Championship. You're playing a team that's much further along uh, in terms of roster development and t- you know overall talent than you're at right now in terms of LSU. 
no big shocker there. You just didn't want to lose three games in a row, not after you had started out a season and climbed out to nine wins. And so for me, it was like a, a threefold thing. It was getting to 10 wins, finishing in the top 15 nationally, which would set you up for probably a top 10 ranking uh, going into next season. And then snapping that, you know, two game losing streak. You don't want to go three games. You end the season on a high note. Uh, and boy, 63 to seven. Let me give you the stats here, Matty B. Yeah, go quick. ahead. It was, for those who woke up feeling the cheesiest, this is right up your alley, the Cheez-It Bowl, Citrus Bowl, which has been around forever, uh, had these stats to share. These stats are from 1960 uh, that LSU broke. Most points ever in a Citrus Bowl, 63. LSU owns that now. Most touchdowns in a Citrus Bowl, 9. LSU owns that. LSU has 594 total yards, nearly 600. LSU now owns the most ever for a Citrus Bowl in that department. Uh, biggest margin of victory ever in a Citrus Bowl, 56. Uh, and then you get into the return interception return yards, most ever 122, thanks in large part to Quad Wilson and his 99-yard pick six, which was also the longest interception uh, return in a, cheese at, or a Citrus Bowl, I should say. So uh, from start to finish, what, Matty B, they punted on the first drive of the game, and then they just <laughs> reeled off nine straight touchdowns there yeah it's um like you said it's it's kind of you got to make it about lsu to a degree but still i mean i i was impressed i think the thing that surprised me the most was the fact that the defensive front looked i mean dominant even though they didn't have ollie gay jacqueline roy um up front and BJ, was a BJ, yeah, yeah. So you have you, you don't have those three, and we were the whole season. We we're like, I don't, we don't know about their defensive line depth. You know, they didn't rotate much on the defensive line the entire year. So it's like, what are we really going to see? And you know, Jacoby and Gillard, I thought was was good, and then you have Fitzgerald West, who I was high on as a defensive tackle prospect, and then they moved him. Obviously, they recruited him with the intentions of him playing center, or at least trying him out at center, and. I guess that kind of didn't work out, but his build was always defensive tackle to me, so it was good to see him get some reps. Savion, you kind of mentioned, but uh, Xavier Carter uh, had a moment, had a flash in there as well. So um, the defensive front, I mean, obviously then you have Harold Perkins and Makai Wingo who are just – Yeah, Wingo looked great again. They're just incredible. So you have those guys, and the defensive front did its job, and that was probably the most surprising thing to me was how good that was. I thought Purdue would be able to move the ball a little bit, and they just – the defense just suffocated them. And it looked like – I mean, obviously, it looked like, you know, the UAB game to a degree. It looked like New Mexico game where the opposing offense just had no uh, no hope, no chances. And I wrote this in the takeaways, but it also felt like a defense that had a month off, right? Because that was the whole thing was in the A&M game and the, even the Georgia game to a degree, it was a tired defense. It was a defense that couldn't sub much, didn't have much depth, and then all of a sudden uh, they – throw together, you know, poor performance as well. I mean, you get three weeks off and four weeks off, and this is what it looks like. I mean, you have to be very, very hopeful, I think, moving forward of what this defense can do. Yeah, I mean, toss in, too. Mason Smith, obviously, will be back uh, next year, who can arguably, along with be the best player you have on defense. Um, so good news there. Yeah, I just thought I'm with you in terms of just watching it. Obviously, 
not many teams ever, I'm sure, have won a bowl game by that sort of 67 is a 50-something point, de- you know, margin of victory. I don't know. That's got to be one of the highest margin of it victory. It was the second. Any bowl. It's the second. I, I, they said on the broadcast it was the sec- tied for the second most uh, – second biggest win ever of any bowl. Sec- tied yeah. for second. So I'm with you in the sense of as it got about midway through the second quarter, I was like, this is – Purdue may not even get across the 50-yard line. I mean, it was that bad. LSU's defense was just suffocating them. And offensively, uh, as the kids would say, Mike Denbrock was in his bag. And they were they were calling trick play, gadget, whatever, however you want to describe it. They were letting Malik neighbors throw the football up like 40-something points. So uh, they were unloading everything uh, in this one. And I think, too, it drives home what a bull's about, right? Like, they're having fun. They're unloading everything. Malik gets to go out there and kind of put on a show. The whole team runs on the field when Quad Wilson uh, gets the pick six at the end for 99 yards. And Malik Neighbors talked about that. It's, hey, a guy like Quad Wilson comes in as preferred walk-on, and every week he's on scout team. And he knows every week I'm not going to get in the game. So when you get in the game at the end and you actually get your hands on a ball and then for a touchdown, the whole team wants to celebrate it. And um, – you could tell how much fun they were having. Uh, I don't know if Jamar Kane uh, loved how much fun they were having on that. Uh, might have been the Greg Brooks pick where uh, they all went down and laid in the cheese at bed and Jay Ward got stuck underneath the big cheese hit and he had to go down there and tell everybody to get up. But uh, it was it was fun for them. Not fun for Purdue, obviously, but uh, LSU seemed to have uh, had a blast with it. And that's what you want. You wanted to be able to go out on a high note after year one and – when you look at it, Matty B, LSU's first losing season since 1999 was this time a year ago. The same thing happened to them. They walked into a bowl game with a bunch of opt-outs, and they just got run right over. What Brian Kelly and the staff were able to do with really a patchwork roster in year one of transfers, true freshmen, returning guys, being able to make all that fit into a 10-win season, a top 15 team, an SEC West title, now a Citrus Bowl win, uh, gives you a lot of confidence in the reality that this program is headed in the right direction. Yeah, the game kind of had a feel to me of a team uh, that was kind of sitting on with a bad taste in its mouth. I mean, you look at it from, I mean, I, there were a few personal personal penal, personal foul penalties called. There were um, obviously 63 points. You know, they run the trick plays. They're celebrating. It's uh, It felt like a team that was, knew that they couldn't lose three in a row in every season. I mean, that was the whole thing. Oh, and and I had heard from – I was around the team hotel all week, and I had heard from a, a couple of coaches um, who kind of were just saying, man, we, we've looked crisp in practice this week. Like, the guys are dialed in. Um, and you hear that sometimes, and you're like, oh, okay, let's see what happens. But they were executing. Look at the O-line, Matty B. They gave up no sacks the whole game, no matter – even when they got all of the backups into the game – um, Charles Turner got banged up at one point, so they had to bring in a backup center. Uh, Garrett Dellinger had not even started a game in a couple of months. He started at left guard. Um, so the whole way they were kind of moving guys around, giving guys a chance. Cardell and uh, Tremont Shorts and some other guys got a chance to go in at the end of the game. No sacks. You put up, you know, O-line helps pave the way for nearly 600 total yards. Everything was clicking for them. And that's what you want to see. You want to see them go out there and execute. And that's exactly what they did. That was as impressive as a bowl win as you can have. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, offensively, uh, if you just look at what this team was able to do, obviously 63 points. But, I mean, I start with the passing attack, right? That was my first tab when the takeaways was Jaden Daniels, Garrett Nussmeyer um, were obviously fantastic. Daniels 12-17, Nussmeyer 11-15. Uh, Howard comes in at the end, you know, could not a bunch to do, but I would never, ever take away um, – a big, I never have big takeaways from quarterbacks that come in for like four minutes or like two drives. Really, it's hard. But they worked Nussmeyer in, what, two drives in the first half. They go in the second half. Uh, he had a little bit more time. Uh, he obviously had the little pitch to to neighbors that went for 70 plus 75 yards. And so Perfect throw. A little bit. But uh, still, well, I thought but- Nussmeyer was fantastic. Nussmeyer gets Nussmeyer gets that exaggerated stat because he did hit Malik Neighbors in the hands for about a 50, 60 yard bomb on his very first play that Malik just dropped. dropped. Yes. So exactly. I thought that too. I remember that because on the board, uh, everyone was like, oh, they're gonna that's people are gonna come back at that and be like, that's why Nussmeyer should start. They're gonna like look at his stats of this game. And I was like, I didn't even think about that until after the fact. But I was like, you know what? He did hit, hit Nussmeyer or uh, Malik on that deep ball. That was fantastic. I mean, he's just – there's nothing more to say about him and Daniels. Like, you know what they are at this point, and you know what they can can do and can't do, or you know what they're, they give and take on every drive. But uh, those two, man, uh, it's good to have two quarterbacks of that caliber. Yeah, well, and look, too, I think that both can grow their game. I mean, I think that there are obvious strengths and weaknesses that both have. Um, and in the simplest of forms, it's, you know, Jaden having patience and pushing it downfield more, you know, whatever shortcomings you see there and not always just kind of taking off and running, which I think he got better with over the course of the season. He also made incredible leaps from Arizona State to now, so you would hope that with another year in the system and some familiarity with what Denbrock wants and being on the same page as the receivers in this offense and being comfortable in it, that he takes a leap forward. And then with Nussmar, it's not turning the ball over. That's kind of his MO. And um, as he continues to kind of reel in that gunslinger mentality, which is, you love that about him. That's what makes him a fun quarterback to watch. But at the same time, you got to protect the ball a little bit more. Um, it's almost like, they're on opposites of it. It's it's you want Garrett to protect it a little more. You want Jaden to be a little bit more um, not risky, but um, not so kind of adverse to putting it uh, into any sort of danger. So, look, that's what the offseason is about. And Brian Kelly said after the game, and I think people got up in arms there. Like, oh, he made it very clear, like Jaden Daniels is the starting quarterback. Yeah, obviously, Jaden started every single game this year. He's the starting quarterback of this team. Brian Kelly said, look, we have told Nussmeyer – you will have every opportunity to beat Jaden out or to win playing time. And I don't know if I can't promise you that every guy on roster will be here when the season kicks off next fall, but it does. They do seem confident, at least at this moment, that everyone's going to be here for the spring, meaning they're ready to take this competition forward. Um, I think Nesmar wants to be here. 
I think Jaden clearly wants to be here and continue to develop and uh, have one more year. So we'll see how the battle moves. Um, if indeed they are all here for spring ball, it'll be fun to watch because you've got two guys who now um, can really, you know, have proven that they've Jaden has got 40 something starts. Nussmar still doesn't have any, but Nussmar has at least played enough for you to know in significant action, what he can do, what type of quarterback he is. Um, he can continue to grow his game, you know, now that he's moving into uh, what his third year, um, third year or this will be his third year, you know, next fall. So his uh, second off season with the team will be this spring and it'll be exciting to watch. I, uh, I definitely think it's a good problem to have. And then you got Ricky Collins coming in. Walker's a guy coming off a redshirt year who's, you know, will get a chance to continue uh, to develop and he got his feet wet a little bit. But as you said, you're playing with backups. It's the end of a game. It's kind of whatever on that front. Um, but it was fun to watch those two. I, I thought that, uh, that both of them played very well, 70% passers, I think seven for Daniels, 73 for like, that's what you want. Um, really solid showing uh, those guys. And you could tell um, that, and I've said this so many times, this quarterback room is not like out to get each other. It is a very supportive. They're all buddies. Um, you had a great gif of Daniels and us, the supportive parents cheering on Walker uh, as he finally got to get his opportunity. Um, but Brian Kelly and anyone who wants to go back and dig on it, Matty B, Brian Kelly at Notre Dame has never been hesitant to pull his quarterback for the next guy. Like yeah. it doesn't matter how old you are, how many starts you have. He's been around as a head coach 30 something years at a lot of levels. He knows that at the end of the day, you got to play the guy that you think gives you the best shot to win. They're not just going to play Jaden Daniels if they don't think he gives them the best shot to win. Right now, he clearly did. And they won the West and won 10 games. And I think the good news here is you still got a chance to see Nussmeyer, you know, whether it was SEC Championship. Um, obviously, it was like what the New Mexico game. I think he played a good mm -hmm. bit in. But, yeah. um, you know, as you also noted, Put the Southern game behind you now. That was long ago. That was kind of Nussmeyer's first real time to get in there, and he just went back to that gunslinger mentality of, oh, I want to go make plays. We've seen now with the SEC championship, we've seen now with this game, where Brian Kelly said, too, the plan was third series of the game, Nussmeyer's going in. Whatever happens from there, we'll see. Like There was no like guaranteed, like, oh, we're going to start rotating them uh, now from here on out. I also think the reality is from kind of just talking to a couple people around the program that they knew what Purdue had. They knew what they had. They knew it was going to be a game where yeah. they executed, they were going to win it comfortably. So giving us a chance to get in is something he deserved. He came in in the second half of the Georgia game and played great. Let him get back out there and get more reps. And if you feel like you're going to win the game comfortably and you're already out to a 14, nothing lead, put him out there You see how it goes. And that's what they did. And, it was um, it was cool to see them both, and I'm hopefully Brian Kelly's right, and that these guys stick around for the spring, and we get to see this battle continue because it's a good problem to have two quarterbacks. Some people say if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Uh, I don't know if I buy into that philosophy. I say in this case, if you have two quarterbacks, and you have two quarterbacks, and now you can pick which one of them is the best for you. Yeah, seems like you have two uh, players capable of starting at an SEC level. That much it does feel like. Um, and it also feels like you have two players that want to be at LSU because if there was any any reason for them not to be at LSU, you feel like it would, the door is very much open right there. Daniels could have easily gone to the NFL. Nussmeyer easily could enter the transfer portal. But they're here. They're going to stick out the spring. And then there's always that second transfer portal window after the spring, um, depending on what happens. But 
Uh, we'll see a lot of time until then and a lot of time until 2023 season. Obviously, uh, we got to talk about the receivers here, specifically Malik Neighbors, because, man, nine catches, 163 yards. Obviously, like I said, the little Garrett Nussmeyer pitched to him. They take 75 yards where he showed speed that I think a lot of people, I don't want to say didn't know he had, but hadn't seen from him in a while. Like, you, you, when you see Malik Neighbors, you think great hands, you think really good route running, really crisp receiver. Um, and he obviously can take the top off defense. He can make contested catches. But that that was like punt return-esque. That's why he was the punt returner to start the season. Like, you see it now. And, and man. Remember like that. <clears throat> remember that, Matty B. Game one, LSU fans were screaming, Malik doesn't have it. He's – He's dropped two punts. He was a reason they lost the game. Well, really, it was also a reason they were almost back in the game because he ends up making a couple of huge plays after he dropped that punt and made a goal line stand. And then he ends up, what, I think he had like two or three catches that got him down the field and set him up Mm -hmm. to score a touchdown and then potential extra point that they missed. But fast forward from that game to the end of the year, and he's your MVP and by far the best player in the game offensively. It just goes to show you that um, week one is not where you settle how a season goes. And, Boy, Malik now going like Malik going into year three puts that's a first round draft pick type prospect. And that's what LSU is used to having almost every year is a wide receiver that you can really lean on. That's a first round type talent. Malik neighbors is that. Yeah. Um, Through the stats out there already. I mean, then he had two touchdown or the two completed passes. Um, They have three quarterbacks, actually. Yeah, they had uh, four. Four Walker too, obviously. You know, Walker too. You throw in all, all four of them completed two or more passes. So, uh, yeah, Malik was was out there slinging it. That was fun. Uh, I thought the running attack was was very efficient. Uh, they end the game averaging seven yards per rush. Jaden Daniels averaged eleven. Kane and Emory ended with fifty-eight and fifty-two yards apiece. And then Derek Davis Jr. came in and punched in a touchdown late. So um, I think it was clear too. Jaden is not completely a hundred percent because on his biggest run where he had that really good keeper that he called to keep himself and he would normally run right past everybody that was out yeah. there and he got caught on that play. So uh, the off glad the off season's here for him. Cause you could tell he played injured probably from Arkansas all the way to about now. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say after the Alabama game. So yep, exactly. Arkansas till now, it felt like he was kind of, well, it felt like this whole team, and that's why I kept saying about the defense, is like this felt like this whole team just needed a break. And um, that's an excuse, yeah, sure, because everybody's playing the you know a schedule that's rigorous and everybody's playing in the SEC, you know, uh, every, good teams every week. But for a team that, like you said, was patched together, had clear holes, had clear limitations, had clear depth issues, um, this three-week break could not have come at a better time. You get to go to Orlando, have some fun, and then reset. And you have 10 of your 11 stars on offense. You have six of your 11 stars on defense. And you kind of play from there. I thought it was a really, really good performance and something I think this team needed moving forward into the offseason where, like you said, don't lose three in a row. You get to 10 wins. I mean, overall, everybody's happy. Everybody got their moments in the sun pretty much. And uh, you can kind of move forward from there. Yeah, you talk about moment in the sun, and and we're you know we're talking on this podcast strictly about the Citrus Bowl. We'll have plenty more where we kind of recap the season, look forward to the yeah. off season. But I do want to give a hat tip because in my ten performers, which I cheated top ten performers and did 
more than 10 guys, but uh, I, I think I did like half the team, but uh, comboed some positions there. No biggie. Uh, I want to give a shout out here and you give some perspective because these are two guys that we will not be talking about moving forward because their time's up now. But defensively, you've said this all along, all year. And Micah Baskerville, linebacker, and Jarrett Bernard Converse at safety and corner were two seniors who played really well in this game. Um, Converse, Bernard Converse got the game ball from Kelly afterwards. It's his final game, obviously. Uh, but Baskerville was a guy who just wasn't around in the spring. Kelly kind of challenged him to step forward and be a leader. And I feel like if they didn't have those two this year, just because of how much versatility, like Baskerville was a three down linebacker and Bernard Converse just was able to step up for them in so many different ways in terms of they needed corners. Okay. Well, he's your starting corner. They needed safeties. Okay. Well, we'll put them at safety a couple games. Like in your mind, how big were those two to the success defensively of this year? Yeah. And even if you go past the mere fact that they needed them for depth purposes, like you don't have many linebackers on this team with starting experience, right? We into the year, Greg Penn was an unknown. Mike Jones was an unknown. Um, Demario Tolan, West Weeks, unknown. So you have Michael Baskerville. Harold Perkins, unknown. I mean, Harold in Perkins reality. Unknown. So Michael Baskerville is clearly someone who came in. And even though the whole offseason was like, is Micah going to start? Is he going to play? Like we, we went the whole off season without with seeing him as third team linebacker, basically. And obviously he had to get everything in order, whether it was personally or academically, he just had to get everything in order. And then for him to come out and be early on, it was, uh, I believe the Mississippi state game where he was like, Oh, this guy is the best coverage linebacker they have. And then he just kept evolving, kept improving, continued to be the senior leader that this defense needed and this linebacker unit needed. And he ends the year as, I mean, one of the best players on this defense, really. It's it's, it's a very, very talented defense. We're going to look back on this and be like, damn, this team had a lot of talent, even without Mason Smith. Uh, but Michael Baskerville, as that senior presence, I think was huge. And then same can be said for Jarek Bernard Converse. It's uh, I've been high on him since they got him out of oklahoma state uh just uh you forget he was a all big 12 first team corner and then comes over here and it's different competition it's a different role he played this year but like you said his flexibility his versatility but his um i think his just overall awareness and savvy was something that was felt on every single down like you had Makai garden over there who was like more physically talented probably better man corner a guy who could really bow up with some of the better deep uh, receivers in, in the conference. But then you had on the other side, Jorick Bernard Converse, who was just a really good zone corner, really smart. Didn't feel like you ever saw busts on his side of the field and just took care of business. This secondary as a whole just worked out way better than any of us could have imagined. Like there's going into the year, it was just like, okay, you have all these transfers here. You have a transfer from UL, a transfer from Oklahoma State. Uh, transfer from McNeese, uh, even though Colby didn't play a ton in the second half of the year. Uh, transfer from Ohio State. Then the secondary transfer from Arkansas. I mean, you know, we didn't know what we were going to get from Jay Ward, Major Burns. And it turns out to be a really, really solid secondary. Like, and this whole defense just deserves a lot of credit for how well it played this entire year. Like, obviously, we're going to look back and be like the AM game, the Georgia game, the. You go down the list, there's a few games this year where you're like, the defense wasn't great. And yes, definitely. But as a whole, if you look at what they did, I think this is just a really, really good defense. 
Yeah, and defensively looking, we're not talking about a lot of guys who are really critical elements to coming back. I mean, we talk about Wingo and them, but like Greg Brooks, um, man, I think of every level of different uh, major burns being a major guy who I think that major being major uh, had some good plays in this one, but was so crucial to the season. I mean, that play against Alabama when he made up for a busted play and went down and made the tackle and forced a field goal and really kept them in it and ultimately helped them win it. They've got some pieces all over the place coming back that are going to be really crucial. Let's give a shout out though, because I don't know if he'll be in this role a year from now, but boy, did he take over and help them out here. Your boy, Greg Clayton, preferred walk-on coming in, taking over the punt returner's job. Yes. There was a time where the starters on this team weren't, you know, scholarship starters weren't catching punts. Your boy, Greg Clayton, caught a punt yesterday while simultaneously being blown up for the yeah. personal foul uh, and still caught it. Uh, so they've come a long way uh, there. Um, I know that Brian Kelly was not happy when special teams gave up that fake punt fourth down conversion. Um, got after pulling a little bit there, but uh, I do think one thing they will be a, I have, I have confidence that they will be better next year in special teams than they were this year. And uh, we'll see kind of who's the kicker, who's the kickoff specialist, all that different stuff. But the addition of Aaron Anderson, I think will help them out a ton there. And the reality then of you see things that happen, here's a off season to fix them and you fix them. So um, man, good game. I'm looking through the stats right now at, uh, you mentioned the running backs. Um, it'll be really interesting to see, too, because the buzz has been that John Emery was going to turn pro. Brian Kelly said that mm-hmm. no public decision there has been made yet, so I don't know if they're still trying to go back and forth with him. Uh, the deadline is still a few weeks away on that front. Um, but Kane had a good game, also averaging seven yards a carry. You mentioned that. Uh, another Look, there are kind of a lot of unknowns at running back. Like, does Emery go pro? Like, that's what people think he'll do. Does – Derek Davis stay in the transfer portal. He was, he played while in the transfer portal and looked good at running back. I thought he was a better running back in high school than he was a defensive back. And that's what he signed on at LSU to be. That's what he was recruited as, uh, as a safety by all colleges. Does he want to stick around or is he still going to kind of head back towards home or play elsewhere? Mm-hmm. Does Armani Goodwin get healthy? Um, you know that Noah Kane's going to come back, but uh, Goodwin's is, Goodwin has been injured a couple of times now and was out for this game, obviously, with an injury. You get Josh Williams back, but the broadcast, unbeknownst to us, it, it seems that Josh Williams had had some sort of knee surgery. I'm guessing maybe to clean something up because uh, he was banged up a lot to end the year. So he didn't yeah. even make the trip with him. Um, so you really don't like, again, do they take a portal guy to beef up that room some? Can Trey Holly and Caleb Jackson get involved as true freshmen? Like, there's a lot of unknowns in the variables of what the running back room could be, which is a lot like where they were this year. Let's be real. No one in the off season was like, Oh, no doubt. Josh Williams will be the best running back that they have. So it'll be, that will be one spot. Interesting to see. Um, I really want to see Brian Thomas used more. And I think maybe he will be next year. I think he's something dynamic uh, in terms of stretches the field, but also is just a big bodied rangy guy that, is different than a lot of others that they have on the team, like can be a real red zone threat for him. Um, we saw a little bit of Ibietta. Can Lacey get consistent with his hands because uh, we've seen him flash, but then he'll drop some balls where it's like, man, if, if he can just stay consistent, he's a really good player. And if you've ever, not many people, I guess, get a chance. We're around the team a lot. Like Kyron Lacey is a big kid. He is all of six, three and really filled out. So um, can he take that next step forward after spending a year in the SEC after coming in from 
uh, the raging Cajuns. And then the, all these new receivers they have coming in, uh, obviously with Aaron Anderson as well. Can Chris Hilton get healthy? Uh, who I think he has a level of speed and athleticism that not a lot of guys in that room possess. Um, yeah. A lot of these guys complement each other. Well, you just want to have them all healthy and uh, obviously getting a fair share of, of playing time. And uh, we'll see how things shake off in the off season there. Um, defensively, I'm just kind of looking at the stats. So I'm wrapping up some Sorry. thoughts. I thought, I thought weeks played well um, playing a backup role against Purdue. I actually liked him a lot this year and a backup spot. The linebacker room seems like it's going to, uh, continue to grow. Oh, I know what we haven't done. Shout out Mason Taylor. Oh yeah, the man. The man had like five catches for almost a hundred yards and really far exceeded what we anticipated he would do as a true freshman. And they signed three tight ends in the portal. Um, Pimpton is obviously a kid they flipped late in the game in the class. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, in the signing class, three tight ends out of high school. Camorian uh, Pimpton is just a 6'6", 240. I think he'll need to shape his body in a way to get ready for college. Like, yeah, 240 is like a 235 is like a big kid, but uh, he'll need to get stronger in the lower half. Obviously, Denbrock's offense, 12 personnel. They want to use multiple tight ends. They want you to be able to be a you know really elite pass catcher, but at the same time, you've got a block. And um, his inline stuff will need to obviously um, improve like anybody who's coming from uh, high school to college. And uh, the same will go for McGohan, who – Jackson McGohan, you're really high on uh, yeah. as a guy who could – both those guys had like 800, 900 yards as seniors. So uh, they're obvious guys who can play roles as pass catchers, but can they also develop, like Mason Taylor did this year, as a guy who can also block and then yes. uh, be trusted to stay out there. I feel like that tight end spot – it was – for me, it was tight end and corner were the two spots this year that I just didn't know how it was going to work out. And they fixed the corner spot by just taking a bunch of transfers and that bridged the gap for them. And they've kind of had to do that again. It was a multi-year rebuild. Um, but tight end was one where Mason Taylor just had to carry them. And Denbrock had to shift his philosophy of what he really wants to be because they didn't have multiple tight ends. Like Cole Taylor already hit the portal and wasn't even playing in this game. So can you get those guys up to speed that you signed uh, and have them ready for next year? We'll see. You would hope. Uh, that they can kind of make a similar uh, push that a guy like Mason Taylor did this year. But a lot of reasons to be excited, um, I yeah. think. And uh, kudos to Joe Fusha as a guy who's obviously played in his last game here as a transfer. Um, glad he didn't get kicked out on what was not a targeting where uh, he got flagged oh. and they reviewed it. But um, he was big for them uh, after being able to get onto the field and, and play a good bit this season. So uh, it was it was a fun year to watch. And I was glad that those guys got to go out there and, uh, and have some fun in the in the Citrus Bowl and get a pretty big win. And boy, I'm looking at the even the bottom of the list. A lot of guys, Kells Bush, uh, Princeton Malbrew, Quad Wilson, who had the big play. A lot of guys who play scout team uh, got to get in the game and actually got on the stat sheet with some tackles. Fitzgerald West, obviously, we've talked about already. We saw a little bit of Quincy Wiggins, not a ton, but uh, he's got a full offseason to develop um, there. Really, it was a Savion Jones show uh, for the most part. You mentioned Xavier Carter, an edge rusher that – I got to play a little bit. Um, and I say Fusha, and I'm, I'm rolling here. I'm just reading off guys who made tackles in this game. Salute to Mike Jones Jr., who said he's yes. played his final game at LSU. Kind of a guy, Matty B, I guess the best way to describe it, he's like so hybrid that he never found that true position. And even then, like if he's truly edge back line type that relies much on cover, on just getting after the pass, they already had that. 
Joe Gilari, and he was going to get all the snaps there. And even after Gilari, they had defaulted Harold Perkins into that role because it was like, do we want to get Harold Perkins onto the field? But he's not a true middle backer for us yet in terms of just knowing everything he needs to do. Uh, Matt House, when we talked to him this week, said Harold Perkins is just scratching the surface of what he really can be as a football player just because of what he needs to do in terms of his knowledge of the game. He gets by so much right now and just being is the best athlete on the field defensively. Um, but shout out to, to Mike Jones, still tipping Houston boys who, <laughs> yeah, but good. He's, he's team guy who came here and gave him a couple of years and um, certainly one of the leaders in the locker room. And, and really that's what they needed this year was a bunch of guys who, um, could galvanize that locker room. Everyone can lead by example. And I think that uh, at the end of the year, it showed this is, we said it in fall camp. This is not a team. This is just a bunch of random transfers, true freshmen, and guys that were coming back that decided not to go pro or still had eligibility or whatever. I think by season's end, they proved that they had grown into a team. And it's because guys like even like Mike Jones, who are real leaders in the locker room and kind of they help get you there. So, uh, we saw some Sage Ryan, too. That's mm-hmm. another guy that there's so many pieces for me, Matthew, that I look at and I'm like, all right, like they're they were good this year. But where can they go from here? And that's yes. what the offseason is all about. Um, so a lot to be excited about. Yep. And uh, you just think about how many questions there were coming into the season with the quarterbacks, with the running backs, offensive line, receiver, or not even not receiver. I think receiver and defensive line were the two we were like, OK. Those are going to be really, really elite units. Like we can. You knew who they had, right? Yes. Everything else was a question mark coming into this year, and they have won ten games now, and they can end the year as SEC West champions, and have something to build on. The foundation is there to move forward uh, under Brian Kelly in year two. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how the rest of the offseason goes before spring camp. Uh, if they do anything else in the portal. Uh, once they get these early enrolls, enrollees here, we'll see how they start to look and uh, start to build questions for next year. That's going to be the whole storyline. So, Oh, and no doubt. And like I said, we're going to do a lot more podcasts as we go forward this month, as we talk about the offseason, the portal, mm-hmm. what the team looks like. But I, I will say this very confidently. The roster is in so much better shape right now than it was this time last year. Yeah. I feel a lot better about the future than I did this time last year. I really thought they might only win about six or seven games. Yeah. It's it's I, what did they have? 60, 68, 60, something like that. Brian Kelly's had a joke at his press conference about that, but um, you know, it's just a much different position than being at 39 scholarship players at, after in a bowl game. So uh, we already know about the class 25 signees. We already know about seven transfers. That's 32 players right there. That gets you um, up to a very, Um, high number when you have 85 to to look at and obviously more players will whether it's enter the portal more players will declare for the draft or just you know run out of eligibility so we'll move on from there but yeah I I have you know we have ideas and we'll see what we do for off-season podcasts in the coming weeks but we'll still have a portal podcast uh try to get those out on friday um we'll see if there's anything how much more there's to talk about now moving forward but yeah we have uh plenty of talk plenty of uh, ideas moving forward into the offseason you got anything else before we wrap it up i'm good man it was fun doing uh another finally we got another reaction game pod in. i missed a month without football was uh, not as fun when yeah. all you have to do is chase recruiting news is not as fun as watching the actual games so. yeah that's um that's uh definitely the case 
uh, to me as well. Um, but yeah, man, no football until the TCU Georgia game in the championship. Who you got in that one? Oh man, don't make me do it. I'm riding hypnotoad here. Yeah, I was heavy on the hypnotoads to beat Michigan. I think Georgia's a much better team than Michigan. Um, yeah. I don't know. Those were two fun games to watch. Uh, those so two semifinals. Uh, hopefully, the final can deliver uh, in that same vein. But yeah, I don't know. Right. I actually, that. I'm not in the camp that think Georgia will just roll them. I think TCU will make it a game. I think so. Too. Sonny Dykes is not just going to get blown out of a national championship. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, we saw you know Georgia's secondary has been a bit leaky at times, whether it's with LSU, uh, whether it's with Ohio State. TCU maybe could hit a couple big plays and uh yeah we'll see I got TCU plus 13 and a half so go Sonny go Dykes play. is putting on that second half SEC championship game film saying Duggan go do what Garrett Nussmeyer did rip exactly. these boys apart <laughs> exactly all right that's all we got for y'all today hope y'all enjoyed the episode um we'll be back I think uh Shay and Billy got a recruiting podcast coming out sometime this yep. week as well um we'll see what we want to do with the portal podcast and then uh, i'll run by some off-season podcast ideas that i've been thinking about as well to you but yeah thanks to all for joining us uh subscribe to the podcast below leave a five-star rating and review wherever you are listening we appreciate it uh subscribe to the bang on tiger on three uh i don't know if we're, are we still running the hats even though we don't have the yeah yeah anymore? you get the yeah you get the hat if you sign up all you right. get the hat still you still get the hat uh but no one dollar for one year appreciate everybody that signed up in that time span i mean just awesome amount of increase in subscribers while we were running that one dollar for a year offer now it is thirty dollars for a year which is still a great price i mean that's tremendous i think i pay more for that pay more than that for the athletic so there you go i think i pay 36 a year for the athletic um but yeah so good price check that out all the off-season content that you need will be there and yeah thank you all for joining us we will talk to you all later